Welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today, we are sitting down at West Fork Whiskey Company in Indianapolis, Indiana. We are sitting down with one of the proprietors, Mr. David McIntyre. How are you doing today, David? Can't can't uh, can't complain. Drinking whiskey in the middle of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Also with us, we got Ofo fanboy Josh in the house. What's up? And you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's right. And then uh, Mr. Tanner Justice. He 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 kind of introduced us to david and you know so he said i want to join so i was like you know tanner come on so tanner how you doing good i'm just here for the free drinks and to ask the dumb questions that no one's going to think of so there you go that's what i like to hear <laughs> i think of really dumb stuff all the time tanner it's you just okay. don't ask them or you no i do <laughs> sometimes he asks him you know but i don't edit them out <laughs> so david for our listeners that are out there who've maybe never heard of west fort whiskey Give us your elevator speech, you know, your sales pitch, the overview of what you are, where you came from, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, West Fork Whiskey, we're, we're a company who's hell-bent on creating great Indiana whiskey. Um, you know, we saw back in 2014 that, you know, clearly there's a lot of amazing bourbon and whiskey made in, in Kentucky and Tennessee. And we said, hey, Indiana has the same grain, very similar water source. Uh, why is no one in Indiana making a great bourbon? Um, so that was kind of what what got the process started, and uh, from there, you know, we've been we've been producing bourbon now for over five years, and uh, we've grown quite a bit throughout that process. So, can you tell us a little bit about the name? Because when I hear fork, I think you know dinner fork, or is West Fork? You know, is that the West Fork, the the fork on your left there or right there? You're taking at dinner time, or is, is it about a river or a creek or something Indiana specific? Correct, river. It's not not to do with dinner uh, by any means. Uh, so we always wanted to be Indiana centric. Um, you know, show our pride in the state. Uh, but we also knew that when we cross state lines, people might might not want to see an Indiana bourbon. Uh, they're so used to seeing uh, Kentucky uh, that you know seeing Indiana big and bold on the bottle might not be a good thing. So we didn't want to come out and say, "Hey, we're Hoosier bourbon or Indiana bourbon." Uh, so we named it West Fork, which is uh, the part of the White River that flows through Indianapolis, uh, where we're sitting today. So wait a second, bourbon doesn't have to come from the state <laughs> of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does not. We get that. We still get that question probably daily here in the tasting room. And just for clarification, everybody, bourbon is a United States of American made whiskey. Doesn't have to be Kentucky. Yeah. There's a few other laws that go with that, but there are. You're 100% correct. It does not have to be made in the state of Kentucky. That's just the one that everybody seems to get confused on a regular basis or or butthurt about. Eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We see a lot of it. So Indiana appears to be really what I would say is establishing themselves as a as a bourbon industry. You know, you've got you guys, you've got Old 55, you've got Starlight Spirits of French Lick that's out there. Can can you tell us a little bit more, you know, about to expand on the history and the rapid growth of, you know, Indiana bourbon and where that's coming from and, and, and why did you choose to do it in Indiana versus, you know, someplace else? Yeah, to, to, to speak about just the state in general, um, you know, the laws didn't allow distilleries to really exist uh, for the most part uh, in Indiana until about 2013. Those opened up a little bit more then, uh, so you saw a lot more people coming in at that point. Um, other than, you know, Huber's been around for, for quite a long time. They've, you know, ha had a different kind of permit. I believe it's a farm permit, um, and obviously MGP in, in Lawrenceburg has been around for a very long time. But other than that, all the players really came in, you know, after 2012, 2013. So it's still in its infancy. Um, but again, we have all of the raw inputs. We have everything necessary to make a quality bourbon here. Uh, we just had to have people getting in. Um, so again, you, you mentioned a few of them. You know, you have um, Starlight, 
old 55, you know, multiple here in Indianapolis, 1205, eighth day, hotel tango, you know, Cardinal down in Bloomington, uh, spirits of French lick, a lot of players now. And, uh, a lot of people putting back whiskey for longer and longer. So, you know, it's growing, it's growing quite a bit and it's been a, it's been a great start to the in, distilling boom in Indiana, uh, per se. Um, and for West Fork, why we wanted to be in Indiana is that, you know, we're all from Indiana. Um, you know, we all grew up in Southern Indiana and Bedford and we all have a lot of pride in our state. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like living in Indiana or they want to leave and you Blah, know. On them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us have left the state for, for periods of our life, but we, we made our way back here because, uh, there's really no place in the world like it. Right. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I'm being born and bred in Indiana, Southern Indiana. I'm, I love being from Southern Indiana and, and mm-hmm. from Indiana because there's just a lot of pride that c- comes with that. And th- I always say there's nothing like Hoosier hospitality, right? I mean, you, you great people, you know, the people you meet are so genuine and, and, th- and they make doing business and, 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 and supporting them and those local individuals and companies so much easier because of the type of people they are. So absolutely. David, do you know, do you guys, I mean, maybe it's more specific to the locale you're in, but Indianapolis, do you guys have like a, a distillers group where the distillers all get together, talk about what's going on? Is, is that a thing in Indiana? We've tried uh, a couple different times, um, it, and it hasn't been over, overly successful. Um, the breweries in Indiana ha- have a great guild, and they've worked together for, for decades, and, and it's been a great thing. The distilleries, uh, we haven't been able to, to really have one go successfully yet. Um, there are a lot of different factors there. I think the infancy of the distilling industry in Indiana plays a part there um, because generally everybody's fairly new uh, to distilling and, and to the industry, and they, they might be a little bit afraid to to collaborate and work together as much as, as people do on the beer side. Um, you know, I, I would love for it to be in place. Uh, I would love to work more with other uh, distilleries throughout the state. You know, we have a lot of great friendships with a lot of those distilleries um but unfortunately no no guild has been successful to date i'd really like to see a punch card where if i hit five distilleries in one day you know and i'm still walking i get a prize or a t-shirt or something i think there is actually uh, indiana grown i believe has has a program um that we're part of and i think indiana on tap also they do a lot on the beer side but i think they might have something uh, along those lines as well so yeah to kind of piggyback what josh said you know um it would be kind of neat, like, you know, there's the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, right? Like, you can go and get your little book stamped and things like that. Is is something like that in the future? Or are you, are you pressing your other, you know, brothers and sisters in the distilling business to say, hey, we need to do something to kind of, uh, you know, boost up that industry and that, that you know, uh, what it, what it, tourism, I guess would be the best way to put it, you know, to say, hey, you know, spend the weekend in Indianapolis and you can come to West Fork and you could drive over to Old 55 and then you said another one here locally that I didn't hadn't heard of. So, you know, I mean... 1205, it, was that one? Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, there, there are multiple here in downtown Indianapolis. So, you know, to me, that, that would be a cool thing to do, right? To work with those other distilleries to say, hey, and then at the end of it, you all send them a little chip or whatever, you know, if they've completed them all. So now, I don't know about carrying a token or a chip in my pocket. Something seems a little off about that, but a punch card, you know. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> You yeah, always I, make things difficult. I, I, we we would absolutely love to have something like that in place. And and again, I think a few different organizations have tried, uh, especially you know the uh, you know uh, indie 
tourism office uh, ha- has some things in place and, and again some of the other private organizations like Indiana on tap and Indiana grown have made efforts but um, certainly on the actual distilling side uh, we could be pushing harder um, I think everybody's just caught up in their own growth right now trying to trying to stay on pace it's just the bourbon geek in us we always want to go and check out the newest next hottest thing and those are the cool ways to do it uh, what about your guys expressions you're all's brands your bottles what you're selling can you tell us a little bit more specific about what you are doing here um, with west fork whiskey yeah so you know like i said we we sought out to make great affordable indiana whiskey um so to do that we we generally have fairly high corn mash bills um Again, as I've mentioned, uh, not on this podcast, but during our tour, uh, you know, a lot of Kentucky's bourbons are made using some Indiana corn. Um, so we know we have some, some high-quality corn here. Uh, so we wanted to always, you know, put that at the forefront uh, of our products. You know, even, even our, our rye whiskeys are very heavy on the corn side. Um, so that's one, of, one thing that differentiates us from, from, a, from a general Kentucky bourbon or rye. Um, and, again, we wanted to have a more... Um, more modern feel a more trendy feel um with our with our grain to glass products you know generally you're you're the vibe from from bourbons and and rye whiskeys in general is almost prohibition era some western influences uh whereas ours was you know generally more stylized after a uh not a bourbon at all Uh, you know more stylized almost like a like a trendy vodka brand, I want to say, but but not not totally. But uh, again, we wanted to play to that that younger audience that uh, you know the up and coming bourbon drinkers. It's it's very difficult to get somebody who's been drinking Jim Beam for the last fifty five years to go out and try a craft whiskey. But you know, people that are just coming into uh, the spirits market that are you know they're they're out of their days of drinking you know natty light in college and they're starting to you know try wine try different spirits uh you know those are the people that we were generally uh going after in the beginning so that's kind of our our brand feel is is looking for that that new generation of bourbon drinkers so so your price point is actually really good for most craft distillers i mean they're they're much higher on the price point thanks to that nature can you tell us a little bit more about you know the blues and then the kernel and then the writer's block and kind of and writers is rye r y e for people so we don't think I'm crazy, but uh, they've got some cool, crazy names. Could you tell us a little bit more about the mash bill, and then also, you know, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah. So uh, to start just on the price point, you know, as you mentioned, we we came into this and we saw the the craft industry, what was going on. We saw that there was a lot of product out there that was sixty, seventy, ninety dollars for a, for a bottle of whiskey. Sometimes fifty or sixty for a three seventy five, uh, and those products a lot of the time weren't competitive against you know a standard $25 bottle of bourbon from Kentucky. Uh, so we didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of of you know overcharging and underperforming. Um, so we, we always wanted to have a very affordable product. Uh, in regards to our bourbons and rise, we, we do offer two bourbons. Um, you know we wanted to have kind of two different avenues approach because in general there are a lot of weeded bourbons out there and then there's a lot of high rye bourbons out there. Um, you know we wanted to offer both. Uh, so we brought the kernel on first. It was our first ever bourbon. It's a weeded mash bill. Uh, it's about 25% wheat, 5% malted barley. Uh, and then B Street came on board uh, about nine months after that. Uh, it's a high rye bourbon, so it's about 30% rye and the remainder being corn, uh, just a two grain. And our rye whiskey, um, similar to all of our products, it has a good amount of corn. It's about 40% corn, 60% rye. 
Um, and, and, and the names kind of, they all tell stories. Um, again, going to trying to be a more trendy, modern brand. Um, you know, the Colonel's named after my late father who was a Colonel in the army. Uh, B street blues is, is named after the street we're on currently because when we were building this facility, uh, you know, we were supposed to open in March and it was about a, a 10 month delay in that. So we were singing the blues for, for a while trying to get this, <laughs> get this thing going. Uh, and then rider's block is, is kind of a nod to how terrible it is to name products. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had a severe block when naming that pro- product. So that's how that one came to life. Again, it's, it's a more fun playful uh brand experience than than what you traditionally see uh in the bourbon marketplace so on the tour you kind of talked a little bit about farm to table like farm to glass that type of thing do you have a good partnership with local farmers to pick your grain from things like that or how how does that work and what does that look like we've been very fortunate to work with the same uh, same farmer same company uh sugar creek malt uh since our uh, inception. Um, so all of our grain is from Indiana, including our wheat and rye, uh, which which is difficult at times um, because we're not a huge producer of, of rye. Um, but it all comes from uh, Lebanon, Indiana, and they've been great partners. They've been able to grow with us. Um, they kind of started out at a similar time in this craft landscape. They're they're almost a craft grain provider. Um, you know, there are the major players out there that are, that are Indiana grains as well, but it's been good to work with a, with a smaller local partner, um, to always get our grain handled for us. So tell me what's your daily kind of production, or maybe it's a monthly production in terms of 53 gallon, you know, barrels you're producing. Yeah. So we're distilling, uh, generally four or five times a week. Uh, and with each run, you know, we're, we're filling between one and two barrels, uh, each week. Again, things change with, you know, holidays and vacations and things like that. But that's, that's the general makeup is, uh, you know, filling one to two barrels a day. Somewhere between 20 to 25 a month. Yeah. So me being this single barrel snob that I am, single barrel you are products a snob. are definitely, you know, on the up and rise. You know, everybody wants to get something that's off flavor profile. They want to get away from batch brew or batch distillate, things to that nature. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing on the old Hamer side with, you know, your single barrel program, things to that nature, and kind of, you know, let us know if there's anything unique that's coming about it. Yeah, I mean, the single barrels, uh, especially on the old Hamer side, um, just because on the West Fork side, there's there's not really any availability for us to, to sell single barrels. Uh, but on the old Hamer side, it's been, it's been absolutely huge. Um, you know, we do single barrels of, of all Old Hammer products, uh, no matter the proof. Um, and we do pretty extreme customization on those. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of, especially local partners, major grocery store chains like Myers and Kroger's of the world, um, completely customize their labels, which is which is something that's pretty unheard of and, and not offered from 99% of distilleries that are doing single barrels. Um, so it's been incredibly successful and and people love them because it becomes a, a collection of single barrels you know Meyer's done seven in the last 12 months I believe and you know you can line up all of those and each one has its own specific label its specific feel um, and you know they become collectibles at that point which is which is very fun so yeah, you, you may have given us a sneak peek on a couple of labels I'm kind of excited to see how those fall yeah yeah we have some exciting things coming up uh, over the next six months and specialty releases as well uh, you know we just launched the port finished uh, Hugh Hamer uh, which is 
you know, selling out as we speak. Um, I don't, ima- don't imagine it'll be on the market very long. Um, we have a lot of other finishing products coming up and specialty releases. So uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on. You've referenced Meyer a couple of times as the grocery store that throughout the day where you, you guys are pushing a lot of bottles and barrels out through Meyer. Uh, I guess we can't, haven't quite seen that down in the Louisville market. Maybe we have in Southern Indiana and I haven't noticed it cause I go to Kroger, but, uh, yeah, Meyer's not as big of a dis- distribution point, I guess, for, for, for bourbon and whiskey in general. Yeah, I mean, we have a small section in our Myers, but evidently your alls are much larger. But our, our Kroger's, Kroger's on least. the other hand, are big. Okay. Yeah, so yeah they've, they've been, I mean, both are both are huge players in the space um, in Indiana. I mean, I, I haven't been to one down, down in southern Indiana, um, but they take a lot of pride in their barrel picks. Um, they have a great team um, that comes and picks and uh, they put a lot of a lot of support behind it, and at least in Central Indiana, they're very very prominent in the in the major bourbon groups and uh, the major you know searchers of fine whiskey. Uh, definitely hit up Meyer well, quite I, a bit. I think you had said you guys have some people that line up at Meyer's when some of the single barrels will get released. Yep, people are out waiting, and they basically sell out the day of the release. Correct. Yeah, uh, especially at the you know the. The North Side Indianapolis Meyer things like that. Um, you know, you'll have a few days lag, and then the ones at the uh, kind of outer markets and in, in the Indianapolis metropolitan area, uh, there'll be a few straggler bottles that'll that'll show up. You know, five or six days later, but they they fly through it. Um, they're a great partner. We love working with them. So, how many single barrels do you think you all are releasing a year? And then of those, how many are actually leaving the state of Indiana? Because it sounds like the majority is staying in state, but I know you said, you know, during the tour, you all were distributing to Tennessee, Illinois, and maybe Ohio outside of Indiana. I can't remember. So we're Indiana, Illinois, Tennessee, uh, Missouri, Connecticut, New Jersey, and just brought on, I believe, Vermont and D.C. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're the single barrels out of state. Um, you know, it's it's far less than what we do in the state of Indiana. Um, but they're starting to get a lot of traction because of the customization we offer. Um, but you know, we're, we're doing, you know, at least four or five single barrels a month at this point, um, in Indiana. And we also have under the old hammer brand, the single barrel hundred proof product, which is always in a single barrel format as well. If you count that. So how does that work for you guys? Do you all send out sample bottles to the liquor store or group or do they have to come here and go to your warehouse? For out of state, it's it's always it's always shipping samples, um, just because it's especially during COVID times, you're not going to get people coming down here uh, from out of state for the most part. Um, but for most people in Indiana, they're coming to our facility and and hand picking barrels. So, uh, out of state, like if if like we have listeners all over the country, things like that. Do you all offer shipping, or can you ship, or do you have a drop shipper, things like that? If people wanted to pick up your product. So we do sell online uh, in 31 states currently. Um, we have to use a third party to do so just because the state of Indiana doesn't allow us to direct ship. Um, so that goes through a distributor to a third party who then supplies uh, you know, the logistics arm of that. Um, so it is available in, in 31 states currently, and, and those states can be found on our website. So one of the other couple of unique products that you know you all offer are your, I guess, craft cocktails in a in a can. Could you tell us a little bit more about those, and you know how did that come about, and, and why did you choose the, the the two different ones that you did? Yeah, so 
the the ready to drink market, as it's called, uh, has exploded over the last really two to three years. Um, you know, canned cocktails are you know growing at a similar rate as you know the seltzers and you know white claws of the world. They're they're growing hand over fist. Um, so I hear white claw is the law. Yeah, yeah, no laws on claws, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we, we saw that trending in that direction, and we also saw that there was something missing, which was there weren't many players who were using straight bourbon in those products. There were a lot of GNS, vodka-based cocktails with, with a few few variables there, but over, overall very, very much vodka-based. And uh, to be able to bring one to market, and, you know, twelve ninety nine a four-pack for a straight bourbon whiskey, canned cocktail is uh is extremely competitive uh in regards to the two products we have currently um you know one is a traditional whiskey drinkers highball you know it's it's bourbon sparkling water splash a splash of lemon um it's it's definitely more catered towards a traditional bourbon drinker and then you have the snapback which is which is more you know it's the mule it's got some of that sugar content it's the it's the more popular of the two because it's got way more flavor punch than just that traditional bourbon cocktail you know i love a good ginger beer mixed with you know some bourbon especially on like a nice hot summer day you know it gives you gives you a little bit more of that you know refreshing you know pop to it so yeah and they're they're seven percent currently but you know we like to maybe pour it on glass of ice and add a little bit more bourbon bump that up a little bit it works out well always more bourbon What about these? Uh, these look like West Fork ones. I was checking them out. The the green ones. Uh, I can't read the name of it. Is it Cold Hammer? No. Uh, the uh, the the mint conditions. So yeah. yeah, we have a we have another canned cocktail that's it does use a uh, a corn whiskey base and it's uh it's essentially a smash. You know, it's it's mint lemon whiskey. Uh, it's also a super refreshing summer drink. So corn whiskey. Can you tell us a little bit about your corn whiskey? Yeah, so the corn whiskey is, is you know, it, it was our first product we ever made. It was really how we, we sharpened our teeth. Uh, being in Indiana, we wanted to make always, like I've said, very corn-forward mash bills. And so we really started out making 100% corn whiskey. Um, what differentiates that from bourbon uh, is just a few simple rules. Uh, it has to be at least 81% corn versus 51% for a bourbon. And uh, it can't be aged in a new charred oak barrel, uh, whereas bourbon has to be. So we actually use our used bourbon barrels to, uh, to age that product. So it's, it's extremely versatile in its raw form. It's, it's really most similar to a tequila, uh, to be honest. Uh, and we've actually found that a lot of tequila producers do add corn whiskey in theirs to uh, increase their yields. Uh, and they're allowed to do so, uh, which is extremely interesting. And in the age form, it's... it's it's super sweet. It's butterscotch. It's uh, it's a, it's a sweet bomb for sure. So, what's your favorite you know bourbon of choice that you all have to to make a craft cocktail? And what what craft cocktail would that be? You know, old fashioned or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because when I drink bourbon, I drink bourbon. I don't usually add sugar or anything else to it. But you know, our our, our most popular cocktail by far, as it is with with pretty much any bar in the world, is our old fashioned. Um, you know, we use our B Street Blues, it's our high rye bourbon, uh, which is going to add a little bit more spice to it. Uh, we use a proprietary blend of, of bitters here in our tasting room. And then we're unique on the sugar aspect because we use a, uh, a Demerara syrup, which is a much more, uh, it's a darker, not, not, not necessarily a brown sugar, but it's a, got a lot more flavor, a lot more depth. Uh, and we don't overly fruit ours. You know, it's, there's no, you know, maraschino cherries, 
piled on the bottom or you know a full orange slice or anything like that it's it, it's simple it's clean it lets the bourbon do most of the talking so tanner as a guy who drinks west fork whiskey regularly yep what is your go-to and how do you drink it uh, well until today i have a different answer <laughs> all right uh, typically i was a, a colonel fan and still am but after we did those tastings i think i like the b street better and I would just drink it straight like we did today. Um, but I also, the last one we had, I think, was the port finish. I know that's Old Hamer, but those two stood out to me. So, yeah, I would drink those probably straight. I mean. So I was shocked when we tried the Righteous. And I felt kind of silly saying this is what I was getting out of it. But a microwave popcorn, buttered popcorn kind of nose to it. And that nose just had a really long finish. But it was a really good rye whiskey. It was a 90 proof rye. Is that 90 proof, yeah. Yeah, the writer's block. block. Yeah. Right, sorry, I said righteous, writer's block. Uh, that might be the next one, though. <laughs> that's right. I think somebody <laughs> else uses righteous somewhere. I don't remember where yeah. that's from, but the, the rye was really good. So everybody's got a favorite kid, right? I only have one, so I do. Yep. What, what's yours, David? I, I got to go with the Colonel. You know, again, it's 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 near and dear to my heart. It was our it was our first bourbon. It's it's named after my father. Um, and I like I like weeders. I like sweeter, softer bourbons for sure. Uh, so it's it's definitely my go-to. So tell us what's up for next for the brands. I mean, any cool collaborations coming? You know, I I know that we talked a little bit about some of that, but I mean. I go back to him. We, we kind of, you know, talked a little bit about this, you know, OKI and, you know, finishing in beer and different things like that. So, so anything cool like that coming up for you guys? And what's that look like? Uh, we have a lot of finishing products coming up um, on the old hammer side. So those will, those will hit distribution, you know, once every few months, likely over the next year. Um, and then on the grain to glass West Fork side, we have, a ton of very very unique mash bills put back right now you know we have some some chocolate malted rye you know we have some crystallized corns just very very unique things that we have aging right now and and those will be coming out over the next likely six to seven months as well uh occasionally we try to we definitely try to have a a lot of specialty single barrel uh releases in the fall and winter uh just getting people excited for the holiday season so that's when i anticipate a lot of those coming out so tell us a little bit more about the expansion i know you said you had a big expansion coming up and then you know how does that how's that expansion and production and everything going to be affected by you know how tourism going you know covid obviously you know being a pain in most people's asses at this point but you know what's that look like and you know how's that going to you know fit into the West Fork whiskey, whiskey future. You've been drinking this morning? I did drink a little bit, but not just whiskey. Whiskey, whiskey is a hard word for me, and I don't know why. Wiki. Wiki, 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 whack, cornflakes, crack Whoa, whoa, jacks. whoa. All right. Back, back. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, yeah, so we've been, we've been working on our expansion project now for over a year and a half. Um, you know, we're building a 35,000-square-foot facility in Westfield, Indiana, uh, right across from Grand Park uh, Sports Complex. So... Uh, we're, we're extremely excited. We're just a couple months now from breaking ground as long as things go to plan and it's going to completely transform our company. Um, you know, again, we're, we're a smaller craft producer now, uh, you know, making a couple barrels a day. Uh, but that'll, that'll put us into the realm of being one of the larger craft whiskey producers, uh, in the nation. Uh, we'll be able to spit out on our new system, uh, upwards of 20 to 30 barrels a day, uh, comparatively and run it 20 hours a day. Um, so it's going to be a much, much larger facility, uh, 
allow us to put back much more whiskey for longer periods of time. Uh, you know, as we've talked about throughout the day, you know, we just haven't had the ability to sit on whiskey as long as we'd like to, uh, because we got to keep supplying the demand. Uh, but once we start putting back more and more and more, we'll, we'll start to get over time up to those, you know, Kentucky numbers of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine year bourbons. And then hopefully over time, even, even further. Uh, but we know that's, that's the goal of the company is to compete on a national and international level with, with major players and, and having the facility to do that uh, is a game changer for us. And then from the retail and tourism perspective, Fingers crossed, and, you know, when this facility opens up, we'll be long removed from the days of COVID. Um, you know, again, haven't broke ground yet, so it'll probably be an early 2022 uh, opening. So, again, fingers crossed that things are things are good there. But, you know, this will have a full-service uh, restaurant, multiple cocktail bars, an event center that can host 300-person events. Uh, and it's on 12 and a half acres with, with a lot of outdoor amenities as well. So, uh and as I mentioned, right across the street from Grand Park. So we're expecting to see quite a few people there, um, to say the least. Gotcha. So if if our listeners want to reach out to you, they want to find out more about West Fort Whiskey and all that good stuff, how do they do that? Uh, definitely social media is, is, is the place to be. Um, you know, we have a very strong presence there, um, whether it's facebook or, or instagram those are the major platforms that we use and it's just at west fork whiskey um westforkwhiskey.com you know you can read about us look at all our products that's where you can find uh you know the ability to shop and order online uh as well and uh yeah and if you're ever in indiana indianapolis just come stop by the tasting room and get the full experience absolutely any other parting thoughts for you know our our, our listeners out there just keep drinking keep drinking <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a parting thought because you know i've living in southern indiana right across from louisville and what everybody in kentucky seems to consider the bourbon mecca or bourbon capital of the world as it is uh, kentucky bourbon is good but you got to get out and try the other stuff the stuff that's in indiana is totally worth consuming checking it out finding something that's good for you you know as we've talked through over the past years uh, Starlight, Spirits of French Lick, Old 55, now West Fork Whiskey, trying all these different different brands and different expressions. They all have something very unique and very enjoyable. Uh, I picked up a bottle of Old Hamer, uh, not knowing we were coming here a couple weeks ago. Loved it, single barrel out of Noblesville, uh, town spirits and fine wine, single barrel that I loved. Uh, really enjoyed it, 99% uh, corn unique uh, just my recommendation is don't let a name or something unknown keep you from trying it because I didn't try a bad thing today uh, I really enjoyed everything we tried and they're not paying me to say that I just really enjoyed them all no I 100% agree with you uh, some some very very unique expressions um, you know the, the the one that we tried I guess it was what 51% rye I think is what you said it was just something a little bit different and then uh, the writer's block too just an amazing different nose i mean like the caramel popcorn and things like that so definitely some great products i think people should come up here visit you can ask for uh you know david i think you said your partner's name is blake and yep. anybody else they should ask for directly or things like that generally when we're open 
Blake or I are not here because we let our bar team take over. Uh, they're the they're the mixologists. They're the they're the customer service uh, you know gurus. Um, so you know you might see us around, but Jacob and Todd are our main guys behind the bar, and they do a fantastic job here. And and just I'm kind of on that note of trying new things. You know, it also supports a lot of small businesses out there. It's it's been a rough 12 months for the entire food and beverage scene, whether it's breweries, distilleries, or just bars and restaurants. So, you know, I know it's not always easy to get out, but, you know, we love seeing people. We love people coming in and experiencing our brand firsthand and as do all the other distilleries and breweries out there. So, you know, keep, keep trying new things, keep supporting your, your local businesses. And when you're in a new market, go check out some of their local businesses. Tanner, anything else from you? No, I would just echo being the other only local guy. Um, I think we kind of undersold this this tap room, this location. This place is awesome. We're just over a mile or so north of downtown. I think they call this the Monon 16 kind of area. It's right by the Monon Trail. If you're riding your bike down the Monon, stop in. If you find yourself in Indianapolis, stop in. It's one of our favorite spots. Again, I'm not being paid to say this unless you count the free bourbon. Um, yeah. Then those are my thoughts. Good deal, good deal. So, hey, if you want to find us at Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can find us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those good things. You can check us out on our website, Bourbon Barrel Talk at uh, gmail.com is an easy way to get in touch with us. Um, this is Scott, Tanner, David, and Josh signing off. Thanks.